Yeah. And when you blame other people, you can't change anything because you have no control over your life. So, and it's factual, like at, at jobs that I've worked at, there were some people that were really mean to me. There were some people that just, you know, didn't do things the right way. That's a fact, but that's not the only reason that that job wasn't right for me. It's partially because of me. And when you take ownership of that, you can fix your situation. Like I used to. Sobriety is scary. That's why Untapped Keg explores different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so that you know you are not alone. Hopefully, you can find something you can implement into your own life. Sobriety and mental health are topics that often are uncomfortable and complex. We do not shy away from any conversation. But you should know we try to be respectful. But there's always room to learn and grow. Everyone is welcome here. As you are, and you will be respected. We are not medical professionals and do not give medical advice. Please seek medical care if you need it. Now let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tapping into some Untapped Keg, the podcast where we explore different perspectives into sobriety and mental health so that you can take pieces of our journey and implement them into your own life. I am your host, RJ Zimmerman, and I have the honor and privilege of being here with Jill Teets, the host of Sober Powered on all podcast platform and the creator of Sober Powered Media, a new sober-centric podcast network that has four podcasts right now, including your own. And she left her career to jump into more of a sober centric, uh, pursuit and jobs. So how are you doing today, Jill? Thank you for joining us. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this is exciting. I don't, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't get nervous before a lot of shows anymore. No. But I am nervous before this one a little bit. So, um, for the people who don't know who Jill is and about your podcast, Sober Power, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I am almost three years sober and I started my podcast a little bit more than two years ago. Um, so when I first stopped drinking, I wanted to understand like why this happened to me and it doesn't happen to other people. Cause I had spent years rationalizing like why I'm not that bad and all of the consequences that I didn't have. And, and I really believed the stigma that I was a weak will loser and there was something wrong with me and, you know, I chose it. So I just wanted to understand like, is that actually the truth? And I was working as a biochemist back then. So I knew like how to research stuff online. I did it for my job a lot. So I just started researching addiction and everything I learned was helping me so much. And it was just my independent little project instead of drinking or thinking about drinking. And then eight months into sobriety, I decided I had to start sharing because I wanted other people to know, like, you're actually not a loser. You're not, you're not weak willed. You're not a bad person. You didn't choose it, like all this stuff. So that's, that's why I started my show. That is, you know, it's so important when you hear like, you're not a loser, you're not weak willed because we tend to focus on that part and we tend to focus on, um, what we're giving up. We're giving, right. What does society tell, tell us we're giving up? What does, um, honestly, like we feel like we are giving up, uh, but really what do we gain? And I think that what you said there was really important and what you gained by doing the research and now having your podcast. So you start your podcast about two years ago. How has that helped your sobriety? It's really good accountability, which you probably feel as well. Um, I think the hardest time for me was when I was about a year and a half sober. 
I started thinking like, are you, you know, really that bad? Like, are you really never going to drink ever again? And, and I was getting those thoughts of like, maybe it's been long enough, you know, and (laughs) I couldn't indulge those thoughts because I had a community and I felt that I, you know, was cared about by other people. And you don't have to have a podcast to feel that way. You can just be an active member of a Facebook group even, but I was releasing an episode every single Friday for a long time. And I knew like people woke up in the morning and they looked forward to that. And if I drank, like I'm not going to be able to do the podcast and lie. So that always made me like second guess those thoughts and just never give into them. And yeah, it just feels like the work that I do is more important than stupid alcohol. So every time I have the FOMO thoughts or like, I wish I could be, you know, normal or whatever, it's just what I do is too important. And I, I just don't indulge it. Like when we went to the iHeart party at podcast movement, I was like, oh, you know, this is so cool. Open bar. Like that was my jam when there was an open bar and it just, I just can't, you know, my work, if I do that, everything goes away. And all of the stuff that I've built in the past almost three years is so important. So it just really holds me accountable and it makes, it makes my sobriety matter. Good point. So, you know, you've created a community of, um, that you feel accountability towards. What was it that made you realize you wanted to leave a career that you've been in for a while? And go into something more sober focused and honestly going into business for yourself, period. I always wanted to do sober stuff full time, but I didn't know like how to do it because, you know, a lot of people, they build a coaching business or they build courses and that provides income. But I wasn't sure. Like if that was the right fit for me, I thought maybe I should be a therapist. I actually applied and got accepted to a few programs to become an addiction counselor. Um, But I eventually decided like I'm still paying for my first master's, like paying for another one, probably, you know. Um, But really it was from podcast movement. And the first time I went there in L.A., I met someone from Spotify and she was like, you need to build this. Like you are in the perfect position to build this. No one else is doing it. And it gave me the idea, like I could build a podcasting sober business and not a sober business like most other people have because it just didn't feel right. Um, But my, in my old job, there was like a lot of criticism of me and, and some very hurtful comments. So I was trying to leave anyways, but I had very low self-esteem from that. And I didn't believe that I could build a network. So when Spotify told me like, you should do this, I was like, no, like I'm a loser, you know, I'm just some loser. Like I can't even be successful anywhere. So how could I build an entire business? And I ghosted her. And I didn't follow up and I let the opportunity fade away. And then I went to another conference a couple months later and I met someone else who sells my ads now. He helps me get sponsors. And he told me the same thing. He's like, you got to build this. This is the best idea. I know that person you spoke to. She's amazing. So I came home. I quit my job. And I wrote her and I said, like, let's go. I'm ready. And and then I did it. And then I asked my friends to join and asked some podcasters that I really admired. And like they said yes, which was shocking for I didn't think anyone would want to join. But now I actually got another podcast too. So now I have five shows in the network oh, besides wow. my own. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming really big. And I have two more that I'm going to talk to. So Hopefully we get them too. That's amazing. That is incredible. I love how, you know, at first you had that, I would say it's kind of a mentality that we have that's carried over from when we drank that 
oh, I can't do that. I'm nobody. Like I'm just, I'm just a normal person. That's it. But really, you know, the creativity to think about how can I do this other than coaching or writing books or, you know, having a, having a program. Um, that's incredible. And the fact that you're seeing the rewards right now, like it's scary, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It's just new things are scary. And that is, that is so awesome. So what, what would you say like was the moment that you realized I want to make this sober rather than just make it a podcast network? I think when I was talking to the person from Spotify, she said, you know, if you make it a sober network, no one has done that ever. And it's expanding a little bit. So it's not just podcasts about addiction, but it's also including podcasts that are either by sober hosts who talk about other topics as well, or shows that are by, you know, mostly sober hosts that kind of support addiction or support trauma. So I'm kind of branching out a little bit into all topics that impact addiction. But I just thought like, no one's helping the sober community. Like we're all just indie podcasters. Like we don't know what we're doing. We're we're trying to monetize and horribly undercharging sponsors and giving them basically free marketing. I see my friends on Instagram doing reels for brands for like basically free or in exchange for free product. And I'm, I don't want us to be taken advantage of anymore. And I want us to be like represented. So now I'm the representative for my shows and they don't even have to worry about how much to charge or am I undercharging? Like, I just handle that for you. You just do what you've been doing this whole time. Give me that stress because it's a lot of stress. <laughs> Give me that stress and I'll handle it. And, you know, now it supports them because when I started working with my podcasters and bringing in new shows, they didn't even understand the potential for how much they could make from their loyal audience. And we're not like getting money, like you have to pay to listen to the show. If you listen to the ad on the podcast, we make a little bit of money. And every time someone does that, the podcaster makes a little bit more money and that's it. And it keeps all the content free. It prevents podcasters from burning out because they're worrying about their bills or like maybe they have to go get another job or something. So I just wanted to take care of sober people who are just trying to do good for the community. Hmm. That's, I love how that is because it goes back to the giving back, right? But there's so many different ways we can give back. Um, I actually told uh, Jonathan, this Jonathan Jones done a podcast movement. Like when we think of creativity, we tend to also take creativity and put it in a box where it's like a painter, an artist, like something like that, that's creative, but really it's taking different forms of thinking from one aspect of life and being able to put it into another aspect. So like being able to take a podcast network and be like, or giving back, usually that's like a one-on-one thing, but really you're taking it and putting it on a community, putting it on, um, you know, podcasts where you know that people need help. Like, how do you monetize? How do you run a show? Like, I mean, I'm 120 episodes in and I'm still learning how to run a show. Like that's, that's the thing, but you just try to get better every single time. It's just like, just like sobriety, just like mental health, try to get better every day because that's all you can do is take it day. And eventually you can look a week out. Eventually you can look a month out. Eventually you can look further out, but where are you at right now? Um, ah, that the creativity that comes from it. Like, I just, I love it so much. And I just, <laughs> I want to give you flowers because that's so it, it's, it's very smart. And it's something that, like you said, nobody's doing like, and as you also said, which I've talked about before too, like branching out to other topics, not just focusing on sobriety, because it's funny. 
sobriety is one aspect, but we are made up of a lot of different interests. Just because you're sober doesn't mean that you no longer like sports. You no longer like video games. You no longer like everything. If you just happen to be sober while doing it, that's it. So, so that's wonderful. I love how you're doing that. Um, you know, what, when you told, let's say people that you would hope would be your biggest cheerleaders, what was their response when you said that you're going to leave your career and create a new one? Uh, my husband was all for it. Cause he's just always supportive of me no matter what. Like even when I was drinking and making our life completely miserable, he was so nice to me the whole time. Like he always took good care of me. So I think he felt fear. Like, is this actually going to work? And the fear that I had that I think he also felt is now I have a career gap in my resume. Um, like I have a business, so I have a job, but if I want to do biotech again and work in research, now I have a gap and I'm not like relevant to that career anymore. And I would have to explain like all the sober stuff that I'm doing. So it makes it a lot more public. Like a lot of coworkers and old bosses have been like looking at my LinkedIn and like looking at all my stuff and being nosy and I think he just felt that fear for me, but everyone else I told was so into it. My boss at my old job, he was so into it. Like the whole time he was actually a mentor who eventually transitioned into my boss. So we were kind of friendly too, but mm -hmm. he knew about the show and he was like, we're going to lose you. Like you're taking over the world. And I told him and he was just genuinely happy. I think more, it was like, fear can this actually last forever and if it doesn't will you be able to get a traditional full-time job or will it be really hard for you because there is still a lot of stigma like a lot of people that I used to work with probably found out and they were like oh my god I didn't know Jill was an alcoholic like let me go look at all of her stuff and and like see how she destroyed her life so there's a lot of stigma and and people still don't really understand. So I think it was mostly that. Hmm. It's this stigma just still, it blows my mind how people talk out of the both sides of their mouth when it comes to drinking. Like, I can't, I can't believe you don't have a beer. You're not going to drink at your wedding. Like you're not going to go to, you're going to go to Italy and you're not going to have a glass of wine. No, because there's a lot of other things to do. Right. And same thing, like, you know, I've had people, so I blue collar job, I work on high voltage electricity. I literally have had multiple people say, I can't trust somebody I can't have a beer with. It's like, what are you really saying there? Like, because I won't drink something that'll make my decision-making worse. Like that is why you can't trust me. But then that same person is bashing somebody because they drink most nights of the week and they come into work and they're hung over, have no, you know, quote unquote work ethic, but it's like, okay. So if they would have gotten help and they stopped drinking, you would bash them because they can't be trusted, but now they're drinking too much and you bash them because they can't control how much they drink. Like what? <laughs> all of that, all of that. It's so weird. And it's because we still think it's a choice. And I thought it was a choice too. I thought it was something that people like let happen to them. And I, I always grew up saying like, I would never let that happen to me. Like uh, <laughs> it did. And then yeah. when it did happen to me, then I had this crisis in my head. Like, did I let that happen to me? Am I really a loser? Do I have no self-control? Like, am, am I weak willed all of, and I believed it just because that was all I knew. And it's just dumb. Like the whole thing is dumb. Some people just can't drink because they like alcohol way too much. I'm willing to give up my whole life for wine. Therefore, I can't drink. You know, I just like it too much. So I can't do it. It's fine. You know, it's just it is the way that I see it is like 
it is what it is. It's like a case study. I don't, I don't see it as a moral thing anymore. I just see it as all of these risk factors accumulated in my life. And then I drink a thousand drinks, you know, and then I lost because I kept drinking the way I was drinking. Then I lost full control over my drinking and like it just spiraled and got worse and worse and worse until I had a whole situation. I just see it like that. It's not like, it's not me. It's just things that have happened in my life, my genetics, the way my brain works. And then you add alcohol and it just ruins my life. And that's it. It just, it's just a fact. And when you accept facts as just that, it's not, giving yourself excuses. It's not like, oh, this is why, you know, such and such. It's like, no, it's just, this is the reason. Here's what I can do to correct, help, um, figure things out. So I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, about three years ago now. And like the amount that that's been, the more I find out about ADHD and how the ADHD brain works, I'm like, oh, that's why I struggle with that. Oh, well, I can do this to help correct those kind of things. Like, it's funny, the contradictions inside an ADHD brain, like I work best with organization, but I can't organize things. And I like things that are kind of clean, but I can't get myself to clean up that pile that I have there because I know exactly where everything is in that pile. So <laughs> those kind of things, like it's not an excuse for why things aren't organized or why things aren't necessarily tidy, but it is like, it is a reason for why sometimes I struggle with that. And it's the same thing with alcohol, like understanding that I can't have one or two drinks because then my mind takes it and is like, it's time to escape. It's time to make everybody like me. It's time to do all these things that I would tell myself. Right. And it's, you know, we look at the giving up, but what have you gained? Would you have a podcast right now? Would you have a podcast network? Would you have left your job and taken this leap? Yeah, I would still be very miserable. I would be working a job that made me feel horrible about myself. Um, I I would still blame everybody else for all my problems. That yeah. was my specialty. That's huge. That's huge, right? Like when we stop blaming everybody else. Yep. Yeah. And when you blame other people, you can't change anything because you have no control over your life. So, and it's factual, like at, at jobs that I've worked at, there were some people that were really mean to me. There were some people that just, you know, didn't do things the right way. That's a fact, but that's not the only reason that that job wasn't right for me. It's partially because of me. And when you take ownership of that, you can fix your situation. Like I used to blame my husband for everything. Like our marriage isn't, isn't that great because he's, he sucks. He needs to change. And then I stopped drinking and I was like, huh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we were having trouble because, um, I drank every single day and was a huge drama queen and like a whole list of things and, and was very self-centered. And, you know, like when you, when you recognize your role in your own life, you can then take control of it and fix things. And it doesn't take away from what other people have contributed. It just gives you a little power back. So yeah, I would still be blaming everybody else for everything. And I would still be miserable and my self-esteem um, would be zero, less than zero. <laughs> Whatever that is. And zero. That is, that is the fact. That is a fact. That's something that um, I think a lot of us have come to realize. And that's such a massive thing. So for you to take everything that you've learned in the past few years and then to move, take this leap. And it's just inspiring. It's very inspiring. So what do you see kind of moving forward with the your vision of you know, maybe Sober Power Media, maybe it's your Sober Power Podcast, maybe it's something, um, just your life. Like, what is your, your, because you're not bound anymore. And that's the thing, like, we look at it as freeing, but it's not. When you stop, like, that's freeing. You're not bound. 
So where do you, where do you see this going? Um, well, the network is taking over the world. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> ah, yes, Pinky. And um, yeah, I'm working very hard to market the other shows and get them exposure. Uh, when I launched the network, I had one show that just like jumped really far up the charts and got a lot of exposure. Like, so I, I want them to get a lot more listeners. I want to bring in more awesome shows. I'm trying to find shows that like what they do is really, really good. They just maybe don't know how to market yet, or they don't have a big audience to market to, or like people are having trouble finding them. And then the power of the network, now everybody can find them. Um, and I want to change the way that networks are done. There's a lot of networks that that kind of take ownership over shows and put logos on the shows and like invade the podcast. Like some networks get rid of the host name entirely as a like, like you'll see it for mine. It'll say sober powered by Jillian Teets. Some networks, like it won't even say your name and it'll just say by and then the network name and, and like my network, I don't want to do any of that. Like you built the podcast. I didn't, I didn't do it. You did it. So I want to kind of change the way things are run and give, give some power back to the actual creators. And I just want to help sober people make money. I want to help influencers. I want to help everybody. We should all make smart business decisions for ourselves. Hmm. I like that because it all comes back to, you know, what is our biggest stresses in life? And yep. unfortunately money is up there. Um, you know, when, it, when I, um, I used to say like, I just want to be there for everybody. Like people would be like, well, you know, that you can't be there for everybody and all that, but that's not the point. The point is being available, like having the resources. Right. So yeah, I just, this is, this is so awesome. Um, when it comes to, you know, marketing for your network, what is like some roadblocks that you faced, um, along that way? Because, um, you know, <laughs> the stigma, like you said, it exists and it's still there and it's very real, but, and I don't want, I don't want you to give away like all your secrets or anything, but it's just, um, I'm very interested in like how we might be able to take roadblocks that we might face here as a sober community. And maybe we'll face it in your own job and your career. And like being a manager, like this is all kind of why anonymous is in alcoholics anonymous, because we don't talk about things, but if we talk about things, it would, it would help a lot. So yeah, I think podcasters are really unique because a lot of people are so ashamed when they're trying to stop drinking or they realize like, I have to stop. I can't do this anymore. They feel a lot of shame and they don't want to, they don't want anyone to know. They don't want their coworkers to know. They don't want their friends or family to know. So they go in their podcasting app and they search for the word sober because that's a way for them to get private support. So mm -hmm. I think that is why sober podcasts are so great because they don't, they can just do that. And no one has to know like a book people might, you know, do some weird stuff in their Kindle. So they, they like open a bunch of other books. So no one sees what they were actually reading. And, but podcasts, like you just listen quietly on your phone and it's just your thing. Um, I think my very public presence at conferences like podcast movement or stuff like that, like just promoting the crap out of my network all the time. People look at me and they're like, wow, she drank a thousand drinks and now she can't drink. And she's just like cool with it. And she's a businesswoman. And I think it makes people second guess like this image that they have in their heads. I think even though a lot of my coworkers in the past have now become nosy and they're checking out my stuff, 
they might also be realizing like, wow, everyone who struggles with alcohol, like doesn't mean they're a huge loser. It could just be a regular person. So I think me being public helps a lot with that. And I Mm -hmm. think my, the podcasters in my network, they're all different from me. Like no one's exactly the same as me. They all have their own journeys, their own like appearance or vibe that they put out and exposing them to the public too shows like all different people who are, you know, successful, all have different kinds of lives, different kinds of struggles. They're fine. Like I brought on a show. I haven't announced it yet, but I'll tell you about it. (laughs) I brought on a show that I'm really excited about because they talk mostly about sex addiction and porn addiction. They talk about everything, but that's like a large focus. And that especially, there's so much shame in that. And I have no experience with that. I just drank a lot of alcohol. I never did drugs. Like I never struggled with anything else. I've struggled with food, but besides that. So I want to bring in podcasters that other people can relate to. And I know there's probably people who listen to my show that have struggled with sex or porn. Well, now here's this awesome show that just talks about that. And you can see the hosts. It's two, they're two brothers and they're two therapists. Like how cool is that? Mm, I am really so awesome. happy they joined <laughs> and, and it's great. And they have like call in. And so I just think it's really cool for breaking down stigma and, and showing people that there are other types of struggles out there. I think the sober community is lovely, but there's a lot of alcohol people. Like mm-hmm. it's mostly alcohol people. And I'll have people reach out to me in my DMs. I don't know if you get this too in your emails or your DMs. And they're like, you know, do you know anyone or have you struggled with like cocaine or weed or they're looking for other things and there aren't that many people talking about those things. So I want to just make people know about the people who are actually talking about those things. Like I met a friend recently who talks a lot about weed and I was like, you need to start a podcast. Yeah. So you can join my network eventually. And yeah, and I think weed and like sex and porn, so much shame in those. And we need more people that are talking about it. And they are out there. They're just harder to find than alcohol people. Absolutely. And that's it's amazing because you have all those lists, like people will list resources for mental health, for other things. But when it comes to addiction or substance use or, you know, whatever it is that we're using to kind of escape or just numb. You're creating a resource list that isn't just find your nearest AA meeting. That isn't just go to the hospital, check into rehab. Like that is, that's something that I've felt has been missing. Um, But like, you're actually doing something about it. And that is that's awesome because now all of a sudden, instead of being, Hey, you could check out like this individual is going to be, Hey, go to soberpowermedia.com, uh, which we're with the founder right now, Jill Teats. So I just wanted to plug that in there and see the podcast and may- listen to them and, you know, give each one 10, 20 minutes. And if you vibe with the host, stick around. If you don't, there's another one you can go to, or if you have a specific thing you want to talk, you want to listen about, you know, you have a, a sex addiction, like this is a great resource. That's, that is very awesome. And I mean, you know, like we've talked about, it's like sober people have hobbies too. And it's actually really important when you, especially your first few months, either put your time into something that you've had as a hobby before or try new things. See if something you actually enjoy something that you didn't have enough time to do, um, before. So little tip for people out there as well that like, you know, try these new hobbies, see what happens, put, try it on for size, try this podcast. Um, so as you're going out and you're talking to companies about, Hey, I have this, uh, network, it's growing. We're really popular. Do you see that they're excited about being able to talk with 
so a sober community or do you see that they're a little bit well i don't know if we want to be associated with that because that they don't say sobriety they don't say alcoholics they don't they just say that and it's that hard of a that too so such a good point yeah we call it brand safety mm. so brands are always very conscious of brand safety because if they sponsor my show or someone's show in my network, they're kind of like endorsing us. Like I'm very careful with the podcast I bring in because I am personally endorsing every show on my network. Mm -hmm. So brands are the same way. And what my agency that I partner with will do is when I'm interested in a show, they as a team will go listen to a few episodes and they'll evaluate it for brand safety so that we can make sure there's not going to be an issue. And I haven't had an issue yet. That one about sex and porn addiction, I was worried, but I put, I was like, this show is so professional. Like we need these guys. This is an important topic. And my agency was like, yep, we think this will be fine. We don't think this is going to like flag anyone, but there are shows that are about sex that are run by like very qualified professional hosts, but it might be a little harder for them because of the nature of the topic. So I haven't had that issue yet. Hopefully I never do. Um, but yeah, it's a thing and it sucks. And I heard, I don't think you were at that conference, but the last podcast movement, there was a podcaster there who kind of talks about addiction on his show and he had brands pull out because of brand safety, because they were worried about the, like something that he had talked about on his show um, that they didn't want to be associated with. So they like pulled out their sponsorship. So it is a real thing. And as podcasters, we have to be hmm. really careful what we're talking about. But I think if you do it in a professional way, then it's okay, because there are there are shows that talk about, you know, sex or porn or drugs and they share stories. But if you keep it, you know, focused on helping people and not really like kind of laughing about and like seeming like you're glorifying, then I think it's okay. Um, it's also hard on Instagram. My reels will get flagged. So I'm monetized on Instagram. You don't make like anything. You make like a hundred something dollars a month from reels. Cause it, they, they make you go to like 84 million views if you want to make oh, any wow. money. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> impossible to make money, yeah. but my reels keep getting flagged because of the keywords, because alcohol, drinking, like blackout. Uh, drunk, like all these keywords are getting flagged from the algorithm and I keep getting demonetized. And I'm like, please look at my reels. Like they're, they're helping people. They're not yeah. glorifying anything. So brand safety, you'll see it all over the place. You'll see it on Instagram too. And people in the sober community get shut down. Um, we're worried that like our reels, the reach will be less because of the keywords. So that's why people will do all of that like funky spelling with the numbers mm -hmm. instead of letters. Um, yeah. So it's really hard. It's hard because we're talking about things that get flagged by algorithms, but we're talking about it in a good way. That's so interesting that you say that, because if you think about how many times has a beer commercial come on, yes, like the alcohol companies, I mean, liquor, is a big one right now because they're getting into craft spirits and liquor. Those are all over the place. They're pushed all the time. But as soon as you start talking about sobriety, alcoholic, nope, nope, we're not talking, nope, flag, can't, can't share this. And why? Why is that the one that gets flagged, but it's not the other ones that, you know, you are creating a better life for yourself, but they don't want that. That's just, that's it's it, it goes back to the stigma where people just don't want to they don't want to actually look into what you're talking about or what is it the really the meaning behind it and it's a shame it is a shame and it makes us feel like we have to be you know quiet and 
not talk about it, but at the same time, nah, it's all right. I'll keep talking about it because the people that reach out and say, thank you. Like I really, I connected with this. It's like, that makes the previous times where I've had like five views work. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't. And it, that's what I think is, is important too, for people to, to know is like, be proud. You know, I've so many people reach out, uh, you know, I'm only at 18. Yes, I'm only. only at, you know, 37 days. Like you're not only, that's a big deal. Like you made the step, the first step, like that is so hard. The gap there is so massive. Like I'm at eight and a half years. Guess what? I was at 37 days at one time. I was at one week at one time. And that's, that's where it's like you, when we, sometimes when we downplay and I've, I'm a, I'm guilty of this. Like, please, when I talk about like my experiences, stuff that I'm working through right now as well, but like downplaying it, don't it's, you're incredible. You are doing amazing things. You're making changes in your life to be better for everybody else around you, but you have to be your best self first. And like, and then you can do things like Jill and really impact a lot of lives out there where you're, you know, helping other people to raise their own bar. And that, that's something that I think is important too. So like, you know, you, you are reaching out and you're offering help to podcasts and you're offering help. And I, I think I've heard you say, we can't do, do it alone. So ask for help. When did you kind of realize that you could help people, but also you do need to ask for help sometimes too. Like what has it made it easier for when you need to ask for help? Or uh, is there something that happens where you kind of trigger like, Oh, I need help with this. I think I realized it. I'm thinking about like two, two times in the very beginning, I charged advertisers like pennies like almost nothing right to advertise on my show because I didn't think I was good enough to get decent sponsorship money so I charged so low because I just wanted the sponsor so bad and eventually I found out that other people were getting a lot more and I felt really dumb and really embarrassed. And that's when I started reaching out. And I think I was one of the first people to start doing it, at least to my knowledge. But I started talking to people, both about podcast advertising and um, doing sponsored posts on Instagram. I was like, I got paid this much. How much do you charge? So I would offer information that would help them first. I'm not just like, how much money are you making? I wanted it to be known that like, let's, let's talk, let's have a real conversation about this. And now I have people that reach out to me and they tell me how much they want to charge. And I'm like falling on the floor, like it's so low. And now I can help people not make those stupid, horrible mistakes that I made. Um, so that was the first instance, but then Eventually, I think it was from being in um, podcast Facebook groups and I would just give advice to newbies. And then I started realizing, like, I know what I'm talking about. And that's when I started applying to speak at conferences. And it was like around that time that I realized, like, I really do know what I'm talking about. My Instagram was growing a lot. When I spoke at the first podcast movement I went to in L.A., Oh my God, that changed everything like business and like self-esteem wise, but everyone was going nuts over my talk. And I realized like, I, I know something, the way that my brain works and all the time that I have to dedicate to learning and like the obsession that I have with growing and like being better, I have unlocked some knowledge that a lot of people don't have. And that's when I started moving into like podcasting as a career, instead of trying to do like sober stuff. Initially, I thought like maybe I should do courses and, and like people really like my perspective, but it just didn't feel like a good fit. And I was so confused and I didn't know what to do. 
And then I realized like podcasting and now nobody ever has to undercharge again. And if any sober creatives are listening, just ask me, like, please just ask me, don't make a business deal. You don't have to ask me, ask somebody, ask your friend, you know, just ask anybody like, this is how much I want to charge, or this is how much I was offered. Cause we get this excitement, like, oh my God, somebody wants to give me money for the first time or the second time or something. And we don't think like, this is very low or the terms of the agreement are really unfair. So just ask anybody, but, but you should too ask me, (laughs) I will tell you the (laughs) truth if it's way too low or if it's a bad deal or whatever, just ask someone. And that's sometimes that's a hard step too, to realize. And something that I've said and I've gotten caught is that hubris and that ego. We don't know what we don't know. So when you talk to somebody and you get that different perspective, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's a thing. Like really? Oh, now, now I know keywords to research. I know how to better research. I know how to charge. I know I need a new microphone because my kids can be heard from downstairs and they shouldn't be able to be heard. Things like that. Little things that you think are little, but they all add up. Right. Um, Just like every hour adds up every day adds up. It's all right there. So Jill, um, kind of, we're going to start wrapping up here a little bit. Um, if somebody was thinking about really going from, they want to start putting some seeds down to be able to go into business for themselves. Um, what advice would you have? Uh, two things. First thing is grow your audience before you start trying to monetize. I think most people try to monetize too early before they have proof that their perspective or their expertise is worthwhile. Um, If you like people will make a brand new Instagram account and they'll make like a $2,000 course. I don't even see any posts from you yet. Like if I don't, if your free content isn't helping me and it's not trustworthy, why would I buy a $2,000 course? So work on building up trust and building up, you know, numbers and, and people that see your stuff before you try to monetize it because no one wants to buy from some rando. Like the reason, the reason that, um, my podcast coaching, for example, is doing so well right now is because I have a network and I'm getting a lot of, you know, public stuff from my network. So that's endorsed my expertise, but I spent years building up this expertise and giving out free information and helping people. And, and with sobriety, the reason people listen to my show, because my posts on Instagram are informative and they, they actually help them. Like they're not just an announcement, go buy this thing, go listen to this thing. Like your stuff has to actually be valuable without the other thing, without the next step. Um, So that's my first piece of advice is to just wait and build up your audience. And my next piece of advice is to always stay focused on the people you're trying to help. It's so easy when you try to monetize to then just think about money and how can I extract all of this money from people, but you need to think about who you're helping and how you help them and and money second. Like with, um, you know, my, my network, the, the bigger my network is, the more I get paid, but I don't want to just bring in all these giant shows that I don't believe in or, or like talk people into something. And I, I don't think I can help them. Like you always need to think about the person that you're trying to help. And then that, informs your marketing too. Like if you're marketing sober stuff, like a paid course, for example, don't just make it about like, pay me this, buy this thing now. Like, this is going to be great. Here's a testimonial. Like make it more about helping people. And if people can feel that you're genuine and you're not just out to like get all this money from everybody, they're going to trust you and want to work with you. But you have to stay focused on the actual people. And same with your five listens that you mentioned, like when you had five (laughs) listens and it made you feel bad, that's a good start. 
five people is awesome. Like when I, when my podcast started growing, I did get caught up in the numbers and I was like, Oh, 10,000. That's so low. Like I wish it could be like other people must have more than me. 10,000 is a lot. That's a lot of people. Like if 10,000 people have listened to 120 episodes, that's a lot. And think of where it's going to be a year from now. So I think just always stay focused on people and then money second, because people can feel whether you're genuine or whether you're just like skeevy and trying to sell them something with like a tip. Has anyone ever sent you like a testimonial trying to get you to buy something? Yeah. Yeah. It's the grossest thing. Like someone, I reached out to a podcaster that I liked. I told this story actually in my talk, so you already heard it, but that story, and she's sending me back, like buy my thing. And then a bunch of testimonials, like, ew, I don't want, I don't need to see your sales page, like copied into the email. Like, do you care about me or is this what you send everybody? Yeah. And that's, that is so important. Like keep that human element in no matter what. And it'll take you places because, you know, one thing that, a lot of people think that we've lost is like the human connection, but have we ever had it? Or do we just think that we had it? Because when we look back, we wanted it to be true. So we make it true in our minds. That's kind of, you know, that rosy retrospection with everything that we've done. Did you ever go on a vacation and you hated it, but you got back and you said it was amazing. Like that's, that is one of those things that yes, that we do that so often, but to just that human connection, that human connection will carry you. Um, Jill, thank you so much for joining us, giving us some knowledge, giving us some tips for kind of, you know, finding our passion and figuring out a way that you can take your passion and make it into um, your everyday life. So if people want to keep up with you, Jill, where can they go? Soberpoweredmedia.com because the network is always growing. Maybe you want to join it. Maybe you want to see all the cool shows in it, but that is where you should go. Awesome. Soberpoweredmedia.com. It is clean. It's easy to navigate. I've been on it and uh, the shows are, the shows are incredible and Jill's show is awesome too. Uh, It just providing more insight into our brains that maybe we didn't, we didn't know. And it, provide some explanations uh, that you might be missing. So uh, you've been listening to Untapped Keg Podcast. I'm RJ Zimmerman. Find us at Untapped Keg on all social media, untappedkeg.com, youtube.com slash untappedkeg. But we're a podcast that explores different perspectives into sobriety and mental health so that maybe you could take a piece and put it into your own life. Let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Thank you. I love you. Have a good one, everybody. 